So the plan today had been to preach on the coming judgment, Revelation 2, 18 through 29, but um, that's not what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12, verses 20 through 26. And part of that was yesterday I was praying about how do we talk about evangelism? How do we think about that? And all of the, all of the discussions that I've ever listened to for evangelism really have to do with extroverts. And so as I was contemplating that, I was thinking, Lord, what do we do with this? Because we also have introverts, and usually extroverts kind of do evangelism. You know, you think about some of the stories that Lisa has, and just randomly talking to a guy at Subway. And she has an evangelistic experience. Like, oh, well, how about that? How does that happen? Well, different people have different giftings. So as we start, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 20 through 26. This isn't going to be our only passage. We're going to be jumping around a little bit. I don't usually like doing topical sermons. But like I said earlier, I woke up at 5.30 with this sermon in my head and it needed to be fleshed out. So um, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 20 through 26, if you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. First Corinthians 12, verses 20 through 26. Hmm. This actually separates the paragraphs a little differently than my Bible. That's funny. Um, sorry, that was an aside. First Corinthians 12, verses 20 through 26, and I read in Jesus' name. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Let us pray. Father, as we come to well, strive to apply these truths into our lives, I ask that you would bless, that you would guide. Lord, that you would carry us along with you that we might understand what you have for us. Father, I thank you for the body and the differences therein. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the title, introvert versus extrovert, that, that concept actually isn't really all that old in accordance with the history of the world. Uh, I think they came around in the late 1800s. People started talking about different personalities and how some people are just outgoing and some people are not. And so as they've studied this, they've actually, uh, social scientists and psychologists have worked really, put a lot of effort into trying to figure out what's the difference? Why are some people introverts and some people extroverts? And the, la the latest science that I can find that talks about that actually comes out of the Ocean's personality test or the Big Five personality test. 
uh, talks about how you interact with positive and negative emotions. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. And so it comes down to one simple question. Do people cost you energy or do people give you energy? Like, do you get energized when you're with people or do you get drained when you're with people? How many of you get energized when you're with people? It just kind of excites you. Some of you? How many of you get drained when you're with people? More of you. Some people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're talking about generalities because, of course, there are, you know, that's the proverb you know, when Solomon says the leech has two daughters, give and give. And so, <laughs> yeah, um, I'll let you ponder that one for a while. But if, if, if people energize you, you're an extrovert. You are driven to be with people because that's what you like. That's what you enjoy. And some of you are like that. And that's an aspect of the body. And you know, the interesting thing is extroverts usually don't require a lot of extra honor because they're, they get in front of people. They end up doing things and people see them. And so they don't have to be honored specifically to, to draw in our 1 Corinthians 12 text there. But it's the introverts that require that specific honor and that intentional honor because they have a place too. And so as we think about this, like some of us, so I am, believe it or not, by nature an introvert that has learned to put himself out because that's the way that God has called me to be. And so God has called me to be out. But I, actually one of the things that I was praying about during our time of confession was I'm greedy and that word greedy came to mind. It's like, okay, Lord, what do we do with this? It's like, you're greedy with your time. Well, I, I get greedy with my alone time because I find that if I don't have that, I, and you could probably ask Kirsten, I become harder to live with. Um, because then I end up actually becoming, I, I push people away because I feel that need for to be alone. Uh, but then I become greedy with it too and I take more than I need because I enjoy being alone. <laughs> uh, not that I don't like people. They just take work. So, where do we fit into this whole evangelism thing? Where do us introverts fit? Because you extroverts, you've got lots of trainings on how to do evangelism. You know, you've got the five digits that Randy Nelson did for the men's meeting and that's actually that's up online and so if you'd like to watch that and go through that uh, you can watch that for our men's uh, when we put up Randy Nelson on our our men's outing retreat that's the word for it and there's how to share Jesus without fear there is uh, what's the explosion one that you guys did years ago gospel evangelism explosion uh, there's that one there you know there's Ray Comfort's stuff there's there's all sorts of stuff that's geared towards people who are driven to be with other people. Well, what about the rest of us? All of you who raised your hand when I say that people take work. Well, God actually calls us to interact with this world differently because we're different parts of the body. God doesn't call the hand to interact with the world like the foot. And he doesn't call the knee to interact with the world like the elbow. He calls us to interact with the world differently. And so then as we approach this, we have to approach this differently because introverts tend to also be introspective. They tend to be. That's a, a great tendency. Extroverts tend to live in the people that they're interacting with and in that inter interaction 
introverts tend to live inside of their own head and try to figure out then how to present that into the world, which is a lot of work. So as we're interacting with ourselves, introverts tend to be introspective, and so then they see themselves more clearly. Extroverts tend to not see themselves very clearly, which is fascinating. They see the stuff out there rather than the stuff in here. And so as introverts deal with the stuff inside, that's one of the reasons they don't like interacting with other people. Because they're trying to figure out, okay, what does this person actually want of me? What, why are they talking to me? Have you guys ever asked that question? Why is this person talking to me? That's a demonstration that you're probably an introvert. Because extroverts don't ask that question. Jim, do you ever ask that question? Why is this person talking to me? That Jim asks, why aren't they talking to me? I have never asked that question. Someone's standing next to me in silence. It's like, this is comfortable. <laughs> some, of you, some of you don't understand it at all. and That's okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so as, as the introvert interacts with it, we have to realize that I don't need to, I don't need to change in order to be an extrovert, but I'm still called to change. And so introverts are called to change in different ways. And extroverts are called to change in the same way. But introverts tend to be hard on themselves because they are not perfect. But the reality is, our imperfection, what is that? It's just sin. It's just sin. And so my imperfection is sin. I was, I was dealing with this when I was in, and I actually remember it very specifically, I was up, up in Mason, Wisconsin, and God was convicting me of some sins in my life. And um, I was really struggling with it. And I was like, Lord, if I, if I don't deal with these, how could I ever be a pastor? How could I ever lead other people to deal with their sins if I don't know how to deal with my sin? If I don't know how to, uh, I don't know how to get rid of my sin. I was really struggling with that. Um, I'm not going to go into all the sins and all the reasons why and all that stuff. And I was sitting there on my bed and it just hit me. This, this train of thoughts just entered into my head. It wasn't like an audible voice or anything, but this train of thoughts just entered into my head. And the train of thoughts basically said, well, it's just sin. Like, whoa, wait a second. We don't ever say that, do we? It's just sin. Well, I thought it was, this was my, this is just the way that I am. This is who I am habitually. These are my habits. These are my addictions. These are my tendencies. Like, no, it's just sin. Oh. And so when it all got boiled down, all these convictions that I was under were boiled down to sin. It's like, oh, I know how to deal with sin. I confess it. And that's 1 John 1, 8 and 9. Well, we, we confess sin. And so I don't need to incorporate, I don't need to figure it out. I don't need to beat myself up. I don't need to um, build myself up. I don't need some external thing coming into me. Well, if I had this situation, I wouldn't be dealing with this. I don't need that. It's just sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so what's the first step to the introvert evangelizing? Is holiness. The introvert is called to be holy. The extrovert is also called to be holy, right? But the introvert is dealing with themselves more and they deal with themselves all the time. So they see their sins, 
They see their shortcomings. They see their failings. They see their tendencies that other people don't like more and all the time, and they're constantly dealing with those things. But what are those? They're just sins. Oh, I'm greedy with my time. Well, what do I do with that? God, that's sin. Forgive me. It's sin. That's it. That's all it is. And so it's not this monster that's out there that's trying to eat me. It's just sin. It's not something that necessarily changes me and keeps me from everybody else. It's just sin. It just needs to be dealt with. It needs to be brought to Christ in confession. This is sin. Father, forgive me. This is sin. Does that mean it just goes away? Poof. No. Because it is a tendency. It is an aspect of myself. But as I confess it, what does God promise to do? Cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So how do I get clean from my sin? I bring it to Jesus. Because it's Jesus that cleanses. So how do we, you know, Scripture teaches us that. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. Oh, earthly things don't take away sins. How about that? But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Yeah, I had that through 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And so, single offering perfected those who are being sanctified. And so, if you guys have sin in your life, you know what that means? You're being sanctified. That's it. That's what that means. Well, I'm such a failure. Yeah, but that just means you're being sanctified. Now stop being hard on yourself and just accept the sacrifice. Say, Joe. Kevin. Better definition of sanctified. Oh, so sanctified means being, being made to be like Jesus, to be made holy, to be set apart from the common things of this world. And so that's sanctified. So when God is setting us apart from the common things of this world, he's making us like Jesus instead of making us like Satan. So Satan is trying to actually make us look like himself. What happens when we live in sin? Well, we end up looking like Satan. What happens when we live according to the way that God wants us to live? We end up looking like Jesus. And so being sanctified is God making you holy. And he makes you holy in your actions, but he also makes you holy in your heart. And so as I talk to extroverts, one of the interesting things is they oftentimes talk to me about their actions, the stuff they're doing. When I talk to introverts, they talk to me about their feelings, their thoughts, their inner self. Now, that's not 100% across the board, but that's broad tendencies. And so both need to be sanctified. The way that I interact with you needs to be holy, and the way that I interact with me needs to be holy. Because I'm both are... Well, one's interpersonal, one's interpersonal, but whatever. Joe. Okay. Jim. On that stuff, if I understood, you said when we sin, we're being sanctified. And what I'm, what I'm thinking is when I recognize sin in my life, it's the Holy Spirit sanctifying me to recognize the sin. Yes, thank you. So, me sinning is not sanctification. Me realizing that I'm sinning 
is actually sanctification because the world doesn't, they know they're doing something wrong, but they don't know what it is. They don't know why. They don't know how. They don't, they don't know. They just know. Some of them know specifically, but that's because of the first use of the law. It's a curb. Um, you know, while I broke the law, I probably shouldn't be breaking the law. Or people are going to be upset with me if they find out that I do this, and so then I just don't want people to find out. And so they think sin is primarily a social construct, to use new agey terms. Um, but the reality is, sin is that which is defined by, by God as sin. And so if, if, I'm, if I'm sad over something, is that sin? Well, not necessarily. Because there's a, what did Solomon say? There's a time to mourn. That doesn't mean that I'm not thankful for good things. It just means I'm sad now. That okay? Well, yeah. You know, and the end of August is coming around, came around, and I actually I felt very sad this summer. Not because I turned 40, but because <laughs> I actually don't, I didn't care about that. It was the summer's ending. Like, for some reason, summer this year meant more to me than normally it does. Normally, it's like, woohoo, we're getting back into the swing of things, and finally, all the chaos of summer is over. This year, it's like, I had so much more I wanted to do. And I mourned that. And is that okay? Like, well, yeah. But you don't just live in that mourning. You feel shame. Sometimes shame is bad because it keeps us from God. Sometimes shame is good because it shows us that that thing that we were doing, we probably shouldn't be doing that. And so, God's the one that defines sin. And God defines sin in that relationship. And so if you want to know, is this action sin or is this thought sin or is this feeling sin? Sometimes feelings are sin. You have to bring them to God. Take every thought captive. I didn't have that one in there, but I should have. Take every thought captive to Christ. So when I realize that it's sin, that's the work of the Holy Spirit because the world who doesn't have the Holy Spirit doesn't understand sin at all. At all. They just think it's some social, like, so if we get people to stop talking about whatever the sin du jour is today, um, you know, I, yeah, I'm not even going to them. It, there's too many. But yeah, if, if we get people to stop talking about them or them accepting them, then it's not sin anymore. Like, no, that's not the way it works. Because sin is sin, whether or not the culture says it's sin or not. So, thank you. But how do we deal with it? Well, Jesus is the one that cleanses us. Well, what do we normally do? When I sin, what do I do? Well, I kind of like to beat myself up first, right? How many of you do that? Like, make sure that I feel plenty bad. And if I feel bad long enough, then maybe I'm not going to sin again. That's not biblical at all, is it? Look at Colossians. Colossians 2, 20 through 23. That's Corinthians. This is Colossians. General Electric Power Company, yes. I still go through all those things I learned in confirmation. Um, Colossians 2, 20 through 23. If with Christ you died, so this is assuming that you're a Christian, to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. So this is where I want you to focus. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so me, engaging my guilt, engaging my shame, holding on to that to beat myself up. What does Paul say? 
It's powerless. It doesn't help you at all. It's Jesus who cleanses, not your guilt. Does your guilt have the ability to cleanse you? No. Does your shame have the ability to cleanse you? No. And so what do we do? We go to Jesus rather than just living in that guilt, rather than just living in that shame, rather than just basking in our self-abuse. Whether that's physical abuse or emotional abuse, it's still abuse. So just receive the promise. It's Jesus who cleanses me. Oh, then what do I do? I go to Jesus. Well, I sinned again, Lord. Well, then you're talking to Jesus. That's what cleanses you. As you interact with Jesus, he cleanses you. As I interact with myself, I just fall deeper and deeper into sin. And so the introvert and the extrovert are the same, but we're going to be given different opportunities. And so we need to be working on this interior world. I need to be bringing, I need to evangelize, I almost called it this, evangelize myself. This is almost the title of this sermon. Because as I was talking to an evangelist um, probably about two years ago, realized that what he's doing with evangelism is the exact same thing I'm doing with counseling. I'm just doing it in specific aspects of a person. And so someone comes to me and they say, you know, I'm having an emotional problem with this. Well, what do you do? You bring the gospel into this. I'm, I'm really struggling with the way that I interact with money. Okay, well, what, is, what does God have to say about that? What does the gospel have to say about the way that you interact with money? You know, what is, what is sinful about the way that you're interacting with money? And so basically, I'm just evangelizing their relationship with money. I'm evangelizing their relationship with their husband or their relationship with their wife or their relationship with their children. I'm evangelizing their relationship with themselves. So what happens when the gospel enters into a person's life? It can change every aspect of your life. The way that you guys interact with television. What does the gospel have to say about that? What's just, maybe it's just sin. Maybe it just needs to be confessed and dealt with. Maybe, you know, however, I don't, television, whatever. How do we deal with these things? It's just evangelism when it comes to an aspect of a personality. And so the introvert deals with those things in a way that an extrovert doesn't. And so an introvert has to bring that stuff inside so that they can then bring it outside because as you learn to deal with your own sins, God will give you opportunities to help other people through theirs. I'll say that again because that's actually really important. This is how God has worked with me ever since I was in high school. As God teaches me how to deal with specific sins in my own heart, he gives me opportunity then to help others through their sins. He just bring people into my life who are dealing with something akin to that. He'll bring them into my life somehow. You know, as I was, um, well, Kirsten and I have a wonderful marriage, but most of that's because of her. Uh, but as I've, we've dealt with stuff in our marriage, God brought people into our lives so we could bring that counsel into their lives. You know, this is a blessing. This is grace. This is the gospel. This is, you know, God actually loves you. And this is how you deal with these sins. That's the gospel. And so then what do we do? We live newly. We live in new life. As the introvert lives in new life, God will bring people into your life. 
And so even at council, we were talking about this. As I, as I am faithful with what God has given me, God always has given me more. Then I was talking to an extrovert about this, and he was saying, well, we've got to push out. It's like, well, that's his personality. Right, Jason? <laughs> What's my personality? Let's get this figured out. His personality is let's go out more. You know what? We need both because we're a body. Does that mean that Jason isn't as mature as I am because I want to get this all figured out first? No. That means that he has a different gifting. And I have a different gifting. And so what are we both called to do? To be faithful to the one that we're connected with, which is the head. You know, even, how many of you have two hands that work independently from each other? Can you do two things? You know, pat your belly and rub your head or whatever. Um, Some people actually have a really hard time with that. It's just a learned trick. Does this hand talk to this hand to figure out what it's supposed to be doing? No. They don't talk to each other. They're both connected to the same head, I hope. And so different parts of the body are all supposed to be getting their marching orders from where? The head. In the church, who is the head? The pastor. No, not the pastor. Jesus Christ. He's the head. And so, how many of you who are introverts have ever felt guilty because you're not extroverts? You know what? I'm here right now to tell you that's okay. But you still need to evangelize what God has given you. You might not be having evangelistic conversations with random people on the street. Why? That's not the way that God has made you. But you know what? You might get random counseling appointments. You, that's what God gives to me. Whenever I'm with someone, you know, just, and God's giving me an evangelistic opportunity, it always ends up being counseling. Sometimes I'll just see something in someone's life. Like, oh, this needs to be dealt with. They start talking to me. We're just, Jerry and I went to Menards yesterday, and, and had I had more time, I would have spent that time counseling the guy working at the, uh, you know, you go back into the lumberyard area, there's a guy working there. He needed, he needed Jesus. But he needed Jesus to interact with the way that he interacted with work and his boss. And so that's, had he had time, had we had time, that's what would have happened. And so God gives these opportunities. Well, how do we get there? Well, what does your relationship with Jesus look like? Has it come into all aspects of your life? Are you bringing it into that inner world that you like to live in? Because how many of you like to live in that inner world? Oh yeah, it's the same as the introverts. We like to live in that inner world. Is Jesus actually in that inner world? Is he evangelizing that whole inner world? Because as he evangelizes that inner world, as we bring him into that place, God will give us opportunities to interact with people in the outer world. <laughs> Funny enough, those of you who interact with people in the outer world, he's actually teaching you how to interact with yourself too. Because as you're interacting with that person on the street, odds are he's going to put you into a situation that you need to hear the gospel for that too. Does that make sense? And so this is just the way that God works. So for introverts, God works inside of us first and then he gives us opportunity to bring it out. For extroverts, God works outside of you and then he gives you opportunity to bring it in. Because what's God doing? He's doing two things. He's bringing his kingdom into the world and he's bringing his kingdom into you. 
He's always doing those two things. What is the mission of God? Both of those. To sanctify the world and to sanctify the individual. Any questions? Does that make sense? Does one? No, I don't think one comes before the other. Necessarily, it depends on the individual. Because for an extrovert, they don't primarily live inside. They live outside. For an introvert, they don't primarily live outside. They live inside. And so God's going to work with the extrovert in one way, and he's going to work with the introvert in another. So good question. No, one, does one come before the other? I, I can't say yes. I would like to say, well, the way that I do things is normative. You know, that's what's normal. All the rest of you are weird. <laughs> Jim? So many times, you know, when I'm talking with someone, they'll bring an issue up and I'll have words of wisdom that God gives to me. And as I saying, I'm going, oh, I should do that at home, too. You know, it, so yeah, exactly what you're saying is, I'm, I'm taught as we discuss, because that's the way I think, bouncing off other people. Yep, and that's an extrovert. And I like to think through things before I say anything. So, all right. So, introverts, this week, this month, we're going to be focusing on evangelism. This is going to look a little bit different for you. You know, we're not, I'm not going to call you to go out and to make evangelistic opportunities because that's not within your personality. But what I do encourage you to think about the stuff that God's doing inside of you and as you think about that, as you bring Christ into those situations inside of you, pray that he would grant you an opportunity to share those with people outside of you. Because you know what our world needs? Our world needs Jesus. And so if he's working in you, then you can bring him from inside of you out. That make sense? Because our world needs Jesus. Man. The more that I see stuff going on, the more I see that our world needs Jesus. And if that many of us are introverts, that means this is the way that God's going to work. He's going to work in us, and He's going to grant us opportunities to bring that out. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the permission to live inside of my own world. Lord, and I pray that you would change my world that you would make me holy inside that you would make us holy inside that you would grant us insight in our alone time that we can bring that out into the world lord that you'd grant us opportunities in the world that you grant people into our lives who need to hear about what you just did inside of us what you just showed me lord and i thank you I thank you for the extroverts as well who are always out pushing the boundaries and expanding the territory. And I pray that you would grant them opportunities as the, to evangelize, to bring your gospel into those frontiers. That as it comes into those frontiers, I pray then that you would grant them the insight as well to bring that gospel into their own hearts. Lord, I thank you for how you work. And I thank you that this is ultimately your kingdom. And so I pray that we would have the humility 
to embrace our role in it and rejoice in what you do. In Jesus' name, amen.